When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Five receivers going out here. Cousins going deep downfield and adjusting and making the grab is Stefan Diggs. For the touchdown. Third and two. Time for Cousins. Going deep. He's got Diggs. That's a touchdown. What a play. Diggs got it 54 yards. Did Kevin Harlan break for a second there on that highlight? That's kind of weird. That was weird. It's a bit of a weird thing that happens with him in that highlight for some reason. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, hopefully. That's not an uh, editing error. That's Ke- just I was going to say, Harlan. hopefully, Kevin Harlan didn't have <laughs> coronavirus at that point. And that, that that was his early signs as his voice was skipping like that. Okay, that's a bad joke. That was weird. Uh, great way to start the show. Uh, Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, Myron Metcalf. And I'm sitting here, Myron, just refreshing Twitter, waiting for the Vikings to do something. So when we're waiting for the Vikings to do something, I only have one choice. And do you know what that is? What is that? That is to draft sim. And okay. I, right now, to start the show, I'm doing a live draft sim, and then we're going to talk about it, and then you have more off-season opinions, and we'll get into an interesting message that I got from someone uh, in the league today. This is the best way I, I want to put it, about where the Vikings stand. But I'm waiting for fanspeak.com to get to the 22nd overall pick. All right, here we Oh, already it's interesting. Right away, okay. interesting. Would you draft Jordan Love if he was there at 22? Oh, my goodness. I don't know why people are trying to force him into a first-round slot. Maybe I'm missing something. I mean, I don't know. Like, like to me, tell me, tell me the sure sign you have that Jordan Love can definitely be a starter in this league. I, I don't know. Like, the, the tape isn't good. The numbers aren't eye-popping. Like, I, I don't – I feel like this is um, – People are forcing him, considering, you know, the idea of you know, what he maybe can become. They think he has a high ceiling, but I'm not convinced of that. I'm not Me, either. Yeah. I, usually, if someone throws a bleep ton of interceptions in college, that isn't a great sign for the NFL. No. I mean, even no. Jameis Winston, we overlooked all the interceptions that he threw at Florida State because we were convinced that he had this freakish talent. But even, upside, yeah, right, exactly. But even in the NFL, it's 
played out that he throws the ball to the other team constantly. The only argument for taking Jordan Love is that maybe you eventually plan on trading Kirk Cousins or you could sit Love for several years and if you hate him after the first two years of training camp and as a backup, you could just trade him to somebody else because there will always be a market for a former first-round quarterback in the draft. And he does have a really good arm. He has athleticism, all those types of things. And if you developed him for several years behind Cousins, it's not often that we see quarterbacks have a chance to develop over multiple years as a backup to fully understand the game and then you would have a good sense for whether he could be your future quarterback that would be the only case to do it i have gotten some draft sims from other people who are picking jordan love and since he's still on the board here in my draft sim figured i would throw it out there and see if you like it i don't really because i just don't think that he's going to become a very good nfl quarterback uh but if you're only looking at upside as someone who could be a reasonable backup for a couple of years on a very cheap price and then potentially take over for Cousins, there's your case to do it. Very Josh Rosen-like to me, just in terms of the buzz and the hype and you know, people talking about a lot of things outside of what we've actually seen on film to kind of make him a first-round pick. Um, I don't know, man. I don't, I've not heard anything definitive about him. And it's not even like a... Like, at least with a Lamar Jackson, right? Everyone was wrong a lot, except you. A lot of people were wrong. <laughs> but there were gifts there that you were like, okay, you know what? If I hone those gifts, if I, you know, get him to, to play within my system, and uh, he can be pretty good. But Jordan Love, I don't know, man. He does have – he has backyard football qualities, mm-hmm. right? Like, he's got the big arm and, you know, sort of the athleticism. Like, he'd be great in the backyard. But I don't know how that translates to an NFL field. And even where he's at now, he hasn't played the best competition. I don't know, man. I think that could go south, picking him in the first round. I think if you're doing it, you're doing it because his sophomore year at Utah State was really good. That's why he not this last year for sure. Yeah, no, not, not this last year at all. Twenty touchdowns and seventeen picks. You throw seventeen picks in a college season, things have gone really badly for you. But in his in the Mountain West, I mean, right. not in. Yes. He didn't you, play should, in the- you should crush. You should dominate <laughs> if you're playing in the Mountain West. And this was my Josh Allen argument: is uh, the guy was at Wyoming and wasn't even running through whatever conference they're in. Uh, I wouldn't be picking him in the top ten. But just to add this in, Jordan Love sophomore year, thirty-two touchdowns, six picks, and averaged well over eight yards per attempt. So if you're looking at that tape, maybe that's a lot different than last year and you're trying to blame circumstances. I still think red flags, but drafting a quarterback usually is a good play if you're looking down the road. So I guess that gets to our next question with this draft sim is, are we looking for a Josh Jones who could be a left starting left tackle in 2021 and Xavier McKinney who can step right in or an Antoine Winfield Jr. who could step right in or a Denzel Mims who's going to make an instant impact? All these guys are on the board for me, Myron. Yeah, Win- Winfield, man, I love the idea of him coming to back to Minnesota, staying home, you know, where his dad played. Like the the story attached to there, and I, and I think he's a great prospect as well. I mean, you want to talk about a guy who really turned himself into a a first round prospect? I mean, that guy and what he did in the last year, you got to give him a lot of credit. You got to give that Gopher staff a lot of credit as well for kind of how he was molded and how how he evolved. But to me. Everything about this team right now after signing Kirk Cousins to an extension has to be how do we put him in the best position to overachieve? Because um, you're going to need him to be a dominant 
performer consistently throughout the season, I think, to make up for what you've lost defensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Anton, Antoine Winfield, obviously, is a very versatile kid, can do – I think he can come in and be an impact player, but I just think you're going to lose so much on that side of the ball. And picking some young guys aren't going to automatically fill that hole, whereas if you can get uh, a piece that can really anchor that offensive line – I say the same thing over again about the Colts – and how they went from this team that was literally the worst offensive line in football in terms of protecting the quarterback and giving up sacks to the best team in football when Andrew Luck had that great year in 2018 before he retired. So for me, you are trying to put things around Kirk Cousins uh, to enhance his opportunity to potentially succeed. So for me, I'm boosting that offensive line. Uh, Give me Josh Jones. Okay, let's take Josh Jones then. Let's see how things play out at 25. So Jordan Love gets taken in between by the New England Patriots. Oh, you know, draft night. If the Vikings picked right before Jordan Love, we'd all go, no! (laughs) No to the Patriots! That means he's going to the Hall of Fame! Uh, All right, this leaves us with a very, very interesting option now on the board still, which is Caleb on Chason, who we haven't really talked about a whole lot because I think all of us assumed that Everson Griffin was coming back and then and they would draft an edge rusher in the second or third round and then develop that edge rusher behind Griffin so he could eventually take over. And maybe by then, Afani Adenabo is really good as well. Um, but now I'm, I've got all sorts of options here because I can take Caleb on Chase on. I can also take Xavier McKinney and move on from Anthony Harris and plug him in. And I think that is a plug and play player. Winfield is still on the board. Mims is still on the board. T Higgins from Clemson, also another option for a receiver. Um, there's a lot of good potential players here that the Vikings could take that could help either right away or down the road, which I think is how this thing is really going to play out for them when we get to the draft. Yeah, I have a lot of respect for a guy uh, who plays safety at a place like Alabama. Um, and I just think defensively, uh, the the pros he saw and faced, I mean, McKinney to me uh, has the, the physical gifts. Uh, I think he has the IQ to kind of step in and, you know, Anthony Harris, give him credit for what he became and what he made himself, right? Like a guy like that, that's a great story uh, in terms of going from uh, what undrafted to putting himself in a position to make a bunch of money this summer. But I think in terms of upside, in terms of ceiling, a guy like McKinney, certainly there's a higher ceiling there. And I also think Mike Zimmer, his history is taking guys like that yeah. and, and helping them reach their ceiling. So I think you've got to be more comfortable there as well. I think you have an Xavier McKinney. I think you have a playmaker at that position. And I think that's uh, something you would be hard to, to pass up, especially if, you know, you're showing up the offensive line and you feel comfortable about that going into the draft. Boy, this also goes under the category if they were to take Xavier McKinney, who is who I'm going to select, and then Antoine Winfield becomes a superstar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> then you just know it's going to be one of those things. Uh, I don't know if you've paid Steph a- Curry. Yeah, I don't know if you paid attention to the Brock Besser thing in hockey, but you know he was. I think he was from here, and then you know the uh, Wild decide to draft Joel Erickson. Eck Besser becomes a huge. Score and it's like, why didn't you draft the hometown guy? Uh, so yeah. I'm going to pick McKinney, though. He could fill right in. You could create that cap space by moving on from Anthony Harris. Uh, are you saying that sometimes Minnesota teams uh, make unfortunate picks in drafts? Is that is that something you're implying sometimes. here? Uh, you would have appreciated yesterday when Jonathan said that uh, Atlanta is going to win the Super Bowl next year so uh, Laquan Treadwell can get a ring. Um, <laughs> the, the Treadwell will be the player who leaves and gets the ring. All right, so th- we're we're playing draft room here. Do we agree to take Xavier McKinney? 
I think you have to. I, th- I think he he's the guy. Steps in right away, makes plays for you. All right, so this takes a second to get to the second round. But I'm happy with our first-round haul here that we come away with a future left tackle who might be able to step in right away, and then we end up with a safety who could definitely step in right away. Some other guys we passed on, Austin Jackson, who's a tackle. Chason is going to be the one that I really want to watch because he is sort of a Daniil Hunter raw talent who didn't put up crazy, crazy numbers in college. Uh, and so some people question, like, is he really that great of a prospect? Um, I'm going to check out what his actual college stats were. But, uh, you know, like one of those where he could become an absolute freak or he might just go bust completely. And he also only weighs like 250 pounds. Yeah, he didn't have I, great yeah, production. Yeah, I saw like 250. Um, wasn't crazy at LSU. I mean, he yeah, wasn't. Six and a half sacks last year. Yeah, uh, he was good, but he wasn't one of the guys you thought of in that LSU defense as being kind of an anchor. But, yeah, to your point. Uh, there's always that potential to take that next step at the next level. Now, I do have the uh, ability to trade up in this draft, but I'm just going to let it play. But with two third-round picks and how much Rick Spielman loves to trade in the draft, I could totally see them uh, looking at the second round and saying, we need a lot more football players, and we should really (laughs) trade up and try to get more football players. Uh, All right, we're almost on the board here. Uh, a couple of oh Ben Barch goes off the board. His, there's another Minnesota guy pretty early at 24th in the second round. So now wow. we are sitting in a good situation here inside the draft room, draft simming. Myron Metcalf and Matthew Collar, Michael Pittman Jr., the wide receiver from USC, is yeah. on the board. Yeah. There's also John Simpson, who's a guard from Clemson. You do need some guards because right now it's Brett Jones and Pat Elfline on the roster. That's not great. Uh, uh, let's see, uh, Neville Gallimore from Oklahoma is there, but I think I want the wide receiver here. I like, um, and it's not like, you know, USC has produced some big receivers that didn't pan out, mm-hmm. uh, clearly, you know, but I mean, a six foot four guy who, what, I think, what, 1,200 yards or something like that last season, uh, I think that's the kind of guy who can be a, a change of pace, kind of receiver coming in right away. Uh, he's a different kind of guy. In terms of just how he's built, and I think you got to give Kirk as much help as possible. And I like I like Michael Pittman. You know, in terms of just the Pac-12 wasn't great, uh, but but the athletes in that league are pretty good, and the speed in that league is really good. So there won't be a big hurdle there, I don't think, with a guy like Michael Pittman who gives you a big six foot four target right away uh, for Kirk Cousins as your maybe third receiver potentially, and and giving you kind of a change of pace guy who might be a playmaker early on. Oh, no, I'm receiving a FaceTime call. Blink, 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 blink. Oh, yeah. it's it's Mike Zimmer, and he is very <laughs> upset about this idea and wants what? to draft either Gallimore or Ross uh, Blacklock from TCU. Is uh, I mean, defensive tackle. There's also Jordan Elliott who can get after the passer as well on the board. So there's three really good guys who some have projected in the first round as interior rushers here. You and I are on the same page with... Kirk is going to need more weapons, and receivers sometimes can step in right away and be contributors. Usually not superstars, but contributors right away. Um, but he, but here comes Zimmer throwing his weight around, telling us we need to draft defensive player, Myron. What do we do? Well, I say, Mike, <laughs> slow down, Mike. I, I guess for me, I've just accepted the the idea that that defensive unit will take a step back yeah. with everything you're going to lose, yeah. and you're not going to rebuild that through the draft. Uh, but I do think offensively, the that's a situation where if you find the right pieces at receiver, you don't get a Stephon Diggs, but you maybe get 
some help. A guy like Pittman plays to his potential. You know, maybe he's a guy that's reliable in the rotation. You help the offensive line. Now you're putting Kirk in the best position to play. Uh, when he's the best, it's in those safe situations where he's protected, mm-hmm. and you have to create those opportunities for him. So I'm all about targets, offensive line, because if the offense doesn't show up, there's no chance. I mean, this yeah. is a yep. five- or six-win team. Yep. Defensively, I think we're going into 2020 kind of going, well, I don't know if we expect them to be any better. I think most of us expect them to take a step back. So that that being said, uh, the offensive anchors on this team are going to be significant. Yeah. And, and a point that Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus made on the show yesterday was if your defense isn't as good, you can expect to be in more shootouts and more situations where your offense and passing game are going to have to rise up and – you're going to have to be in three wide receiver sets, and you can't run play actions and multiple tight ends and things like that that they rely on really heavily to help Kirk. And last year, they were ahead in a lot of football games early against bad teams, and then they, they did all those things. So now we're into the third round here, and I think we do have to start looking at some edge rushers. We have to start looking at some defensive players and maybe some interior linemen, but... Jalen Hurts is on the board, Myron. What do we do? Jalen Hurts is on the board. We have two third-rounders, so we could still get a fill-in player right now. And we have not drafted a corner yet. Jalen Johnson is on the board as well. He's a a pretty good cornerback prospect from Utah. There's an interior lineman from Michigan, uh, Cesar Ruiz. So uh, we got a, we got a tough call here because they have positions to fill. Damian Lewis from LSU, also a guard on the board. Positions to fill and needs that they have. But Jalen Hurts is that guy with you know the production, the Heisman, second place, and the character to be a good backup at worst-case scenario, and then the athleticism to maybe develop into a starter someday. Oh, yeah. Taking him? You doing it? I mean, oh, you're, you, Jalen Hurts is the rich man's Taysom Hill, right? So at the end of the day, <laughs> I mean, you, you got to go after a guy. You got to go after a guy like that. I, I think what you just said, Collar, <laughs> is very important, right? We are looking at a situation where if you have to make a decision, uh, you hope no injury ever happens to a Kirk Cousins. But to me, I don't think it's crazy to envision a situation where you've got Two leaders in Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman who are trying to hang on to their jobs. Things are clearly going south and not working. And you say, you know what? What's the risk in bringing in a Jalen Hurts in week 12, potentially, just to see if maybe this gives us something more and we can set up a trade for Kirk Cousins? And the thing I'll always respect about Jalen Hurts is there are so many guys, I think, in his position who would have said, you know what, man, I'm out of here That immediately that next year after losing – uh, his job in the national championship game. He stuck around. Uh, he still put up some great numbers behind Tua. And then he said, I'm going to go to a place and establish my own thing. I just think the poise of Jalen Hurts in terms of his ability to handle the pressure and the scrutiny, that's the kind of guy I want if there has to be a, a change. So for me, you have to go into this season, I think, if you're the Vikings, understanding and knowing that there's a chance you get into those later games, Kyler, and and we're going, listen, man, make a move. Do do something to salvage the year and at least give us a chance to see what option number two might be. Like, let's look behind the second curtain. Uh, and if Jalen Hurts is sitting there, I, I like the potential there. thing about Jalen Hurts, too, is let's say that the Vikings are great. 
I mean, that some things go wrong for other teams. Brady gets hurt week one. So they're playing, I have no idea who their backup is. Probably a McCown. It has to be. Maybe Cade yeah. McNown is their backup. And all of a sudden, Tampa Bay's bad. And Breeze gets hit by the aging truck. And all of a sudden, they're bad. And, and, and you feel like you're in a much better position than the Vikings to win the NFC North. Nick Foles still isn't good and, and so forth. And, and you have Jalen Hurts on your roster. You can put him in and give him the football. I mean, he is a special type of athlete, a special type of runner. Not quite on the Lamar Jackson level, but actually a guy who you could have line up at running back or have two quarterbacks in the game or do something creative that the Ravens started to do with Lamar Jackson before Joe Flacco got hurt and never really fulfilled that. Plus, Joe Flacco was very mad about it, it seemed. Yeah. And maybe Cousins would too, but if he's on his, you know, he's on his three year contract at the moment and Hertz is just a rookie playmaker. I, it, it, there's a bunch of scenarios where this works out great for them. So we agree. We're taking Jalen Hurts in the third round here. And now we are on to the final third round pick, and we still have a bunch of holes open because, you know, yes. that's, that's where the Vikings are at. And I actually thought by now, Myron, that they would have made some more free agent signings other than just Tajay Sharp and, and bringing back, as they did today, Brett Jones and Amir Abdullah. So I thought we would have a better picture of this as we were doing this draft sim. But uh, I think I know who I want to take here on the board in the draft room, draft sim room. Uh, uh, I'm trying to remember how to pronounce his name. Uh, Natene Muti, I think, is it from, uh, for, from Fresno State? He's a guard. He's a big giant okay. mauler. A lot of people like him. The PFF grades on him are fantastic. I think we are at the point where we just have to take a guard. Yes. I, I'm, I'm with it. And the name alone has sold me. Uh, yeah, man. I think boosting that offensive line is going to be like critical in just, I don't, I don't see many games. And the interesting thing about the NFC especially is how many games Kyler would decide by a couple plays. Like you go look at like Seattle in the situation they ended up being in and they were a couple plays in two games from being number one, having home field advantage, not having to cross the country to play the Eagles and then the Packers. So I, I just think like the NFC especially, there are a lot of tight games. And this to me isn't a Vikings team where you go in those tight games, that defense is going to hold up and change that, right? That defense is going to be the, the side of the ball you rely upon. It's going to be all offense, man. So give me anything that strengthens the most important element of Kirk Cousins' success. Yes, let's so, boost that so Get guard. Here is our draft. We have come away with offensive tackle from Utah, Josh Jones, safety from Alabama, Xavier McKinney, wide receiver from USC, Michael Pittman, Jalen Hurts from Oklahoma, and from Fresno State, uh, Natani Muti. It's easy, man. We just yeah. did it. It's easy. Yeah, it is. How hard is this? Well, you know what's funny? So I've been seeing all these things about how the commissioner told the general managers and the teams, don't you dare criticize us doing the draft still. And all these teams are saying, but the pro days, what about the pro days? What about the visits and everything else? I'm pretty sure that I could, in terms of just how drafting works and draft luck, I could have my dog just pick these off of a draft sim with her nose and do about as well as most NFL teams because the thing is random. I mean, this is a hard thing to get your head around because they invest so much in being right in the draft, and you need all of that to know who the best players are. So every study that's ever been done on this shows that 
you know, the, the, the best players who are drafted at the top, they have the most NFL success. And then it's a straight line down from there. So if you're drafting in the seventh round, your chances are far, 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 far worse. So the teams know who the players are. But whether they work out or not for the for those best players is completely random. And you see it from the Vikings 2015 to 2016 draft. There's no one left from the Vikings 2016 draft. In 2015, they got Diggs, Hunter, Kendricks, and Waynes. So like yeah. that, that's how yeah. it works. So uh, yeah. I, I really don't want to hear that complaining from NFL teams that they didn't have enough pro days or enough visits <laughs> uh, from top 30s and things like that. Yeah. Uh, where was Lamar Jackson picked again? I, I don't think uh, we can rely on having more access to and more pro days uh, enhances the opportunity for these guys to make better choices. They're going to make bad choices one way or the other, whether it's fewer pro days, fewer opportunities. The most important thing is – how are these guys staying in shape and staying game ready? I mean, to me, I'm more worried about players in this position uh, in the era of social distancing being able to simulate games, which is so it's so difficult. Like, Kyle, you see all these NBA guys, you know, LeBron's got his home gym and Steph Curry. Like, these guys have opportunities to keep playing ball. Uh, you just got to get the ball in a hoop. Like, football's mm-hmm. a lot more complicated uh, than that. But, yeah, I'm I'm not worried about that. I do think, though, telling guys – that they have to have a certain perspective and attitude on the draft. Uh, and perhaps the next move is to say, don't say anything about the season possibly ending. I don't know that that's appropriate just because everything feels so uncertain. And that's what everybody's kind of responding to. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a weird time. You know what I mean? So yeah, I don't know. Anyone can say, Hey, time. don't act this way. Well, it's like, well, I'm just acting according to something that's never happened before. right? <laughs> yeah. And that feels yeah. uh, appropriate, whatever that reaction is. Yeah. There's, there's no game plan for this at all. So we are being ripped for not drafting a cornerback, which I understand. And I responded with, let's just say we signed some, <laughs> I mean, because <laughs> it's a fair point that we did not get a corner, but instead we get a dynamic safety to help the secondary. And look, if you're not going to have good cornerback play, which they probably won't overall next year, the best plan is to have great safeties. And we already know that they have Eric Hendricks is one of the best cover linebackers in the league. That's kind of how we're covering it up. And right now, um, so far, people are voting to grade our draft sim and all over the board, 45% giving us a B, 20% an A, 20% a C, and 14% hate it and are giving us a D. Really? Yeah. I'm surprised by I, that. I'm surprised as well. We went the offensive I, plan. Well, and we just put you in a position as a franchise to A, deal with the potential of a quarterback change, whether that's soon whether that's 2021 whatever may happen i think jalen Hurts can step in boosting the offensive line giving you a safety who might be the hardest hitting player pound for pound in the entire draft i mean david mckinney everybody agrees he can come in and play right away and Mm -hmm. then a six foot four wild card at receiver who if it works out hey man that's a huge weapon for Kirk Cousins. I, I disagree. Yeah, and not only I that, give us an A. Yeah, well, of course, because we're us. <laughs> uh, I have heard of teams that they get to the end of the draft and go, we we botched that one. They guys, how did we screw <laughs> that up so badly? Uh, so there you go. Go to my Twitter at Matthew Collar, and you can grade our draft sim. Um, and this will not be the last time we ever do it. When we return, Myron, uh, you only had a couple of minutes to share some takes from the other day on the off season. 
So you have an opportunity next segment to give more off-season takes, and I will react. And then later, before you leave, I need your reaction to a column I wrote today that Randall Cunningham belongs in the Hall of Fame. It is Randall Cunningham's birthday, and so I decided for his birthday to write that he deserves to be in the Hall. Also, Jed Zolgad will discuss that with me later in the show as well. We'll return here on Purple Daily. Hey, Score North listeners, it's Phil Mackey here for Federated Mutual Insurance Company, which is here to give business owners that peace of mind that you need when you've built a company with your blood, your sweat, your tears, maybe not your blood, but whatever, like you built a company and you want your insurance team to be ready with a game plan that helps you recover, if needed, recover smoothly so you can get on with running your business. Federated has a century of experience in helping business owners. You can find out more about the industries Federated protects at their website, federatedinsurance.com. And remember, Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North Download. Score North has partnered with the Ronald McDonald House Charities Upper Midwest to help ensure that our area children continue to receive the meals and care that they need during the coronavirus outbreak. Thanks to Luis Arise and the Minnesota Twins, one lucky person who makes a donation of any amount will receive a signed Luis Arise Minnesota Twins jersey. Your contribution enables the Ronald McDonald House Charities Upper Midwest to continue to provide critical services to families dealing with a child's health crisis. Those services include overnight accommodations, complimentary meals, fully stocked pantries, laundry, and more. So to donate, please visit scorenorth.com, keyword donate. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. Well, Myron, we're getting hit pretty hard for not drafting a corner, but we did draft a guy who can also step up and play nickel corner. He can move all around. He's a great tackler. He's a great safety prospect. And I feel like people are overlooking the fact that we did get someone to boost the secondary here. Yeah, I mean, not just somebody. Somebody can step in right away. I mean, he's just like a he's a just add water prospect, man. He's ready to go, and that's what you want, especially if you're taking somebody that high at that position. Yeah, so in our press conference, we are going to fight back against the heavy scrutiny we are facing for not drafting a corner. And in this scenario, you'd be moving on from Anthony Harris, probably adding another veteran corner or two. And so we get to the third round, and it's Jalen Hurts or Jalen Johnson, the corner from Utah, It's like, okay, I mean, I'm sure that he's a decent prospect, but if he's there in the third round, I would just rather take the quarterback that has some reasons to really like him than another cornerback prospect who's not going to help us much this year if he's a third rounder. You're pretty much, the way I'm looking at it is on the outside, you're pretty much set with Holton Hill and Mike Hughes as your outside corners at this point, unless there's some sort of big change uh, when it comes to the free agent market or if they draft one in the first round that... In that scenario, if you don't draft one in the first round, that those guys are going to be your starters anyway. So we'll just roll with them, and then we'll know after a year whether we actually need that position or whether those two guys are going to be good because there is reason to think that both Hill and Hughes can be good players under Zimmer's development. So yeah, there you go. In, yeah, it's impact, clearly. I mean, having a, a young corner maybe who doesn't get on the field that often doesn't help you a ton. Having a quarterback who can step in potentially if Kirk Cousins is struggling, like like the value of that is night and day. Yeah, I agree. And if he becomes the franchise quarterback down the road, then he is 14 times more valuable than whatever corner you yes. were going to get, even in the first round. So, all right, let's. Uh, the other day, our plan was to have you give five 
off-season takes and then to react to them and start a little dialogue here on the show. Yep. But we got off on a tangent because of Brady Papinga, as one does. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so, so let's clear it out. The no more hot takes about BYU quarterbacks, and let's discuss things that have been on your mind, Myron, about the NFL offseason. Go with your first of five offseason takes. Well, I think I gave uh, six, but I, I kept it to five this time. Okay, good. Follow no Chiefs Super Bowls. Chiefs don't go to the Super Bowl. This really? Um, and this is not a on-the-field uh, hot take. This is about history, right? Last team that won back-to-back Super Bowls, New England Patriots, 05, 04. Uh, before them, the Broncos did it in back-to-back years, and then the Cowboys before them. I just think in the last 15 years, the NFL is just so good, uh, and there's just so much talent spread across this league that I think repeating as champs is just a difficult, difficult thing uh, to do. I said won't get to the Super Bowl. I meant they won't, they won't win the Super Bowl. I don't think you'll see a back-to-back Super Bowl champion in 2020 uh, because it's just a it's a very difficult thing to do. It's amazing that in all the Super Bowls that the Patriots won, they had one repeat, and that was that 2004-2005 stretch. From there, it was kind of spread out over the next 15 seasons, and I think the the Chiefs will be in a similar situation where winning it this year, which they could have easily lost, uh, and it'll be difficult to put together the run that I think a lot of people are envisioning. So I think that that's fair based on history. It is hard to go back, and especially, I mean, you look at NFC teams, it's a different NFC team almost every single year. Yeah, yeah. But my question is, who then? I mean, is it does it have to be the Baltimore Ravens if the Kansas City Chiefs are not in the Super Bowl? Because I'm looking around the AFC trying to figure out, like, what do you have Ryan Fitzpatrick in the Super Bowl at this point? I mean, uh, are you really a big Tannehill believer or uh, Tyrod Taylor? Do you think he's going? I mean, who is challenging these two teams in the AFC? I don't think enough has changed in the AFC in free agency for me to say, oh, yeah, 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 clear it all out for this team because they're going. Oh, no, it has to be Baltimore. I mean, I think Baltimore uh, is the team that perhaps fulfills its destiny. Uh, I just, for me as a fan, give me Brady Lamar for the next decade, please. Like, I I would love to see it, but it feels feels a lot like um, they're going to be the Steelers, though. Much like the Steelers were to the Patriots and Roethlisberger to Tom Brady, that that's the role that the Ravens will play. Uh, When they get to the Super Bowl, when they beat the Chiefs, it'll feel... Even though they're a great team, it'll feel like a surprise to some extent because there's sort of a mystique already around the Chiefs. But no, it has, it would have to be the Ravens. I don't think there's some uh, secret team that shows up. I just think it's fascinating, man, that in 15 years we haven't had a back-to-back champion like that. That's fascinating to me. And every year we go, oh, they'll be back. Who are they bringing back? And it just hasn't happened. And that to me is more about the game and what's happened during that period than personnel. Just the game is. It's just so hard to win. Uh, a Super Bowl in this era. So who's the team that could surprise us in the AFC? Because, I mean, the one that comes to mind is the one that everyone is going to roll their eyes the biggest on, but you can make the case. It's the Cleveland Browns with a new coach that has a clue, I I think, uh, in covering Kevin Stefanski for the last few years. I think he's uh, really well-experienced and a very highly intelligent guy who has a much better chance to run that team properly than Freddie Kitchens did. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Baker Mayfield take a big step. They have a ton of talent. Um, they have 
uh, players that have been stacked up around their rookie quarterback, and I think even more work still to do on their roster. And I look at the AFC North, it's going to be tough, but they're going to run over the Bengals. I don't think the Steelers are a legitimate contender anymore. And the rest of the ASC is is pretty weak. So, I, I mean, I want to point to Cleveland, but I also feel like we've pointed to Cleveland about 1,500 times <laughs> yeah. over the last two decades, and they've always disappointed us. <laughs> I'll quote a friend of mine uh, who said... Uh, it's it's usually not a good sign that you have a good culture uh, when someone hits someone in the head with a helmet. Like I mean that that's usually a sign of <laughs> yeah. bad culture, and that maybe there are some yeah. things. I mean, their penalties. Like they were a very undisciplined team in general, and that moment with Miles Garrett just kind of highlighted the chaos internally. And I think Kevin Stefanski is going to have a hard time managing those egos in tough times. Odell's going to say the right thing. And Landry, all those guys will say the right thing if they're winning early. But if they're struggling, I don't know that even a Kevin Stefanski can help pull them out of that. Yeah. you got Odell coming yep. off surgery. Uh, you got a Baker Mayfield who's been humbled uh, for the first time. And, and everyone's kind of over Baker. Like Everyone's over that like chip on your shoulder, underdog. Like, dude, just go play football. You're a number one pick. Go out and do what you're expected to do. We expected you to be great. Because you were the number one pick. Like, no one's talking about you at Texas Tech where you're not getting the job, man. We're talking about you, the Oklahoma guy who won the Heisman. Like, there are expectations attached to that. So, yeah. I think Cleveland will actually disappoint again. But I'm surprised you didn't name the one team I thought would certainly come out of your mouth, and that's the Buffalo Bills. To, to me, if the Buffalo Bills are the best team now in the AFC East, and if you get – it's not even a substantial improvement from a Josh Allen uh, but if Stefan Diggs and some of the things they're doing in the offseason, if that helps him take a couple of steps up with that defense, the Bills, to me, are the team that could show up and shock the world. Like, that's the team that has that lane to, oh, no one's talking about them, and now all of a sudden they're real contenders. Yeah, no, I think that they should definitely come up in the conversation for sure. And you see what Stefan Diggs did to help Case Keenum go from a backup level quarterback to 13 and three in one year. And it was a similar situation where the Vikings defense had been building for years and then it peaked and was number one that year, which you could see with Brady out of the division, you could see their defense dominating Fitzpatrick or whoever's playing quarterback for the Patriots or uh, Sam Darnold. And I think that's a good point that they should be the favorites to win the AFCs now that they have Stefan Diggs. And I really have a lot of respect for their, uh, for their um, head coach, Sean McDermott, and what he's been able to do from a franchise that was uh, maybe worse than the Browns when he got there and yeah. then takes them to the next level, and now they have expectations. The only reason I didn't name them is because I think odds that Baker Mayfield is a great quarterback next year versus Josh Allen uh, are much better that Baker Mayfield becomes a great quarterback because of what he did in his first year, because of his pedigree from college and his talent and his skill set. I, I think it's much more likely to have great success in the NFL than someone who's inaccurate and wasn't good at Wyoming. And even yeah. last year, like they get in sort of in spite of him. They did not have a very good offense overall and uh, and still found a way to get into the playoffs as an average team. It's I mean, Diggs can help only so much. If you throw it 10 feet over his head, he's not going to catch it. Not even him. But I think that's a good selection. Let's move on to your next take. Myron's five offseason takes. What's your next one? Dalvin Cook leads the NFL in rushing. I think um, uh, if you get a healthy, healthy Dalvin Cook, I think as much as we're talking about help Kirk, help Kirk, help Kirk, you know, add another receiver, give him more targets. You're hoping a guy like Irv Smith develops. 
Uh, it makes vast improvements. I think Irv can be the number two receiver, number two target on this team behind a healthy Adam Thielen. I also think that even with Kubiak, even with the changes they've made in recent years, I think there is still the opportunity to revert to that running game. Yeah. And that maybe being the safest thing that they do coming into the season, especially with what we've witnessed under Kirk Cousins for the first couple of years. Like healthy Dalvin Cook in the first 11 games versus the guy who came back and just wasn't the same players, didn't seem like he was in the same shape. But I think healthy Dalvin Cook will be an extremely important player. And I can see Zimmer going back to that old school attitude um, and not relying as much on Kirk Cousins' arm as they end up relying on the ground game. No, I, this one I totally agree with. Assuming that everything gets worked out in terms of the contract extension for Delvin yes. Cook, that he will be at, at very least at the top of the league in terms of yards from scrimmage. That I, I think that the passing game is going to have to rely on Delvin Cook a lot as it did last year. And to show you how much he impacted it last season, Kirk Cousins was averaging around eight yards per attempt throwing behind the line of scrimmage last year, which is Ridiculous. I mean, you never see that. Even Case Keenum a few years ago when they threw a lot of screens to Jarek McKinnon and Latavius Murray wasn't that good when throwing behind the line of scrimmage, but it tells you how good Delvin Cook is at taking something that's that's not there and turning it into something special. And yeah. through the first 10 weeks, we forget, you know, because things fell off at the end with the shoulder injury and everything else, just how ridiculous he was in the first 10 weeks. He had almost a thousand yards, was averaging four point nine yards per carry, had ten rushing touchdowns, forty catches at ten point six yards per reception through week ten this year. Yeah. And I, I think if he stays healthy, and I do think last year was kind of a bad break. A really fat guy fell on him in Denver. And that's yeah. not exactly injury prone, that's kind of a bad break. Uh he has been dinged up through his career, but if he plays for the entire season uh, I think there's a great chance he leads yards from scrimmage, and he almost did last year and still missed time and still missed two full games. So I yeah. I, I think that's a good take because it kind of has to be that or your offense is not going to succeed. Yeah, I don't know if we're talking enough about Dalvin Cook this offseason. You, you know, I mean, I think we're talking a lot about his contract. I think we're talking about his longevity and his health. But I don't know that we're talking enough about, like, who he is to this offense. And there is a better chance. And I think if you're Mike Zimmer, this is what you're thinking. Uh, you're not going to replace Diggs. You go out and get some young receiver, uh, you know, sharp. If he develops in what's like sort of a must-win season for him, he's got to show up mm-hmm. uh, to extend his career. You're looking at Dalvin Cook and saying, yeah, I need Kirk Cousins to be better, more efficient, more of a playmaker, but I need healthy Dalvin Cook to do what he's capable of doing too. I mean, that's your second, I think, line of thought uh, behind Kirk Cousins improving. So Dalvin Cook, to me, uh, has to be that guy, that safety net which he was in many ways for Kirk Cousins in the first half of the season. And and I don't think that there are many running backs in the NFL that I would say you absolutely need this guy in order for your quarterback to succeed. But in Delvin Cook's case, he's one of those. Yes. Um, So I'm with you on that take. All right, next offseason take. Antonio Brown is a number one receiver in the NFL by the end of the 2020 season. Ooh, okay. Um, I feel like the narrative, I don't want to say it's changing, but uh, it, obviously being away from football, all of us, uh, we're not thinking as much about some of the drama. And a lot of the stuff with Antonio Brown, even with the Patriots, was the public embarrassment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't the NFL saying, hey, he's out. It was, we can't risk having this guy around 
considering the embarrassment. He's obviously been humbled. Now, I don't think, for me, I'm not putting him in my locker room, yeah. and I don't even think he should get an opportunity to play in the NFL, but the NFL has certainly employed guys who have done more severe things uh, than Antonio Brown, and I'm not making light of what he's been accused of in, by any means, but I do think with the support of guys like Brady, with this kind of new, hey, I'm sorry about what I was doing, the interviews, I think he gets back in the league in, in 2020, and I think he immediately becomes someone's top receiver. I still think the talent is there, and I'm not convinced the NFL is going to be extremely heavy-handed uh, with a guy like that, considering that you know he's got a civil case in some of these situations, not a criminal case, and I just think he'll end up on an NFL field and he'll be a top receiver again. So where? That's a great question because it's not Tampa Bay. I mean, Tampa Bay's stacked, and I think a lot of people are saying, "Oh, wherever Brady goes, Antonio Brown will follow." And I don't think that's the case as well. It has to be, I think, a certain culture, clearly. Uh, it has to be someone who's not afraid of him and what he brings. And I could only think of two teams. And those are the teams who've already had a taste of Antonio Brown. And that's the Raiders and the Patriots. To me, I know that sounds crazy the and Raiders reckless. did it again. Oh, my Listen, gosh. I know it sounds crazy and reckless. But at least you know what you're getting into. Now, I'm not saying we're talking week two. Antonio Brown's on somebody's field and he's making an impact. But I do think in the second half of the season, he's somewhere in this league mm. uh, and he's he's performing again. I mean, the talent is undeniable. Again, I don't think he should be in the league. Uh, I think he's done things and been accused of things that in anyone else's life, our lives, we wouldn't have our jobs. Mm-hmm. But I know the NFL works differently and their justice system is not like ours. And he'll get back on a football field sometime, sometime this season. So I was thinking of a couple of different teams that might fit the sort of staying out of the spotlight just because of who the franchise is, like the Indianapolis Colts, for example. Like they want to win. They need a downfield receiver to help out Phillip Rivers and catch some of those floating footballs and it's just you can kind of live in obscurity a little bit in Indianapolis. It's not by any means a big market. It's not going to draw the type of attention, even if they make a move like that. I mean, what's the biggest? So you have Peyton Manning, the biggest star there for a long time. And even still, it felt like he sort of was playing in a small market. And I yeah. don't remember any other huge, giant Indianapolis Colts stories that were in the forefront. Even the Marvin Harrison shooting somebody sort of went oh under the goodness. radar, right? I mean, well, that, that sort crazy. of was like, oh, yeah, did it? Oh, I don't know. Okay, whatever. Yeah. And we moved on pretty quickly from that. So I, I was thinking about potentially them. I think maybe Tennessee gets desperate after the first half of their season doesn't go as well as they think. And then they say, uh-oh, we need somebody else to go along with A.J. Brown and somebody to really make us look good with this Ryan Tannehill move. Because if it doesn't show up right away and look really good and he's not 5-1 and one to start the season and they're 2-4, they're 3-3, three and three and three, people are going to start going, oh, my God, you signed this guy based off one year? What were you thinking? And yeah. uh, they might get desperate. I could see that happening, too. Uh, I like that. I also like Carolina maybe as a – an underdog there in terms of a guy who could slide in, not a huge spotlight. And I think having someone who's so good and so beloved, uh, like a Teddy Bridgewater now, a Christian McCaffrey, kind of having those cover boys and those guys who can be the face of the franchise uh, and everyone respects them, you know, that could be a, a place as well because they need weapons, clearly for, for Teddy as well. But I think he's back, man. And uh, I think as much as we made a big 
uh, fuss about it last year. I just think the NFL, we just forget. Guys get back into the league, and maybe it starts out as a big deal. Like, remember how we thought Tyreek Hill, like, there were going to be, like, protests at the Super Bowl, you know, if they yes. kept advancing. Like, there was yeah. going to be yep. such a backlash that the Chiefs would not be able to play him, and it, it just went away, you know, and that's just how we operate. Okay, so I want to just update you before we get to your last couple takes here on uh, our draft grades. So earlier we draft simmed and we took Josh Jones, Xavier McKinney, Michael Pittman Jr., Jalen Hurts, and uh, Natani Muti. And most people giving us a B, 42% with a B, 27% with an A, 20% with a C, and the number of Ds has gone down to only 10%. So most people are giving yeah. us either an A or a B for this draft. The biggest question is, what are we doing at corner? And my response is that we're using the money from Anthony Harris that we're trading away to sign a veteran or two. Like, that would have to be part of this in order to do it. But even then, I'm probably just leaving it up to Hughes and, and Hill and seeing what happens there, because then we know if those guys are going to work out down the road. Uh, so just there's, yeah. there's your update that we're not getting completely roasted for <laughs> our draft sim. Uh, next next offseason take. Kurt Cousins pulled by week 14. Really? Yeah, a quarterback wow, by week that 14. is a hot take. You're, you're almost entering the Papinga zone there. Uh, I'm, I'm, I am going, and, and again, I don't think this is about. You know, do I think it will put up some good numbers? Sure, but I just see a scenario where if you're the Minnesota Vikings, I don't know if you drafted Jalen Hurts or, or who you have in that backup role, but I do think there will be the thought process of a guy like Zimmer uh, and a guy like Spillman going. Listen, and they might not agree, but we have to at least see. What's behind him? Because I think by week 14, this could feel like a lost season. And at that point, you better start thinking about the future because the trade Kirk Cousins talk will be strong. Mm -hmm. And then you're really going to have to start thinking about who fills in behind him, who's next. And as much as I think most of us believe that's a uh, April conversation, April 2021 conversation, I think that's a week 13, week 14 conversation that'll take place around the Minnesota Vikings. I do think they draft somebody. I don't know when, and I don't know if it's Jalen Hurts. Maybe it's not till the fifth or sixth or something like that, but I think they do draft a quarterback as just sort of like, yeah, we're, we are thinking about what's going to happen next here. So that, yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, I don't know if he'll be benched because it's just so hard to know where they're going to be at. If they're in the playoff race, then probably not. If they no. start to come apart at the seams and they are, I don't know, six and nine or something or whatever, I don't know, four and eight, then yeah, I think you're talking about a new coach and I think you're talking about uh, playing that sixth round draft pick in the last week or two of the season, that that could totally be a scenario that this team faces unless they make some, some bigger moves here to fill out the roster. All right, we've timed this out well. Last one. Cam Newton sits out 2020. I don't think he plays. Uh, I understand that there are a lot of interesting options for Cam Newton, whether it's the Chargers, uh, the Patriots. But I, but I honestly think he kind of sits back and gives himself a year to, A, fully recover, because uh, I don't think Cam wants to go in and be somebody's backup. Uh, he, he may have to contend to some degree, but healthy Cam is your starter. But I also think he wants to put himself in the best spot to win. Mm-hmm. And I think 2021 – there are maybe perhaps more opportunities that could open up uh, with aging quarterbacks, with changes that are being made, and I I think we see them in 2021. I think someone's quarterback gets hurt right before the season and Cam takes over. 
or he ends up with the Patriots. Those are my two potential directions for Cam. Does he work with Belichick? Does that work? I think it does. Yeah, I think it does. I mean, Belichick has been the guy who has found, and, and I wouldn't put you know Cam Newton in the same categories like Albert Hainsworth or something, but like yeah. he's always taken shots on guys that are older that have some reason that everyone else has given up on them, including Randy Moss, who spent several years not trying for the Oakland Raiders, and then he goes to New <laughs> England, and it's you know a reclamation project. So that's one of the things that Belichick is is famous for and I also wonder if Belichick would be intrigued by somebody who he could use some running concepts with um, because he has never been able to do that and you can bet he's been thinking about it right after watching last year so I, I do like Cam Newton with the Patriots and I do think that they would actually get along pretty well because Belichick has a history of getting along with guys like him well I do want to see Cam Newton get another chance uh, I mean, his whole his whole thing that he was giving up on, I don't believe that. I mean, I think the yeah. Panthers made a business decision, yep. and it makes a lot of sense. But I'd like to see him back in the league soon. Okay, 30-second take. Uh, it's Randall Cunningham's birthday. I wrote that he belongs in the Hall of Fame. Uh, at scorenorth.com, I laid out the whole argument. If you're saying, no, he doesn't, well, I, I laid out all the stats and everything else there. So go look at that. Um, what do you think? Should Randall I'm Cunningham too, be in the Hall I, I'm too biased to say no. I love Randall Cunningham, one of my favorite players uh, from the time he was in Philly. I do think having seven seasons where he was a consistent starter uh, doesn't give him a lot of uh, on his resume, but but I put him in. I mean, what, 30,000 passing yards, dual-threat quarterback. Uh, he's in, in my Hall of Fame because I think there are lesser players who've already made it in front of him. I mean, I think that loving a player – is not a bias. It's like, yeah, is that it's, part of what we have the Hall of Fame for? Yeah, it's he's in. I mean, that's definitely, he's in for me. I love Randall Cunningham. So I made a lot of comparisons. We'll get into him next hour with uh, Judd Zolgad. But a lot of comparisons statistically in terms of his win percentage, his quarterback rating, the rushing yards, all those things. And they really stack up favorably to a lot of the quarterbacks that we give more praise to from that era. So, Myron, always fun. And uh, keep writing down those takes because if the Vikings don't make any trades or anything next week, we're going to have to keep doing it this way. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, man. All right, Myron Metcalf there. Uh, you can check out our draft sim at my Twitter, at Matthew Collar. Give us a grade and criticize us for not drafting a corner. We'll take a break, and uh, we will discuss Randall Cunningham on his birthday a little bit more with Judd Zulgad here on Purple Daily. Score North and many of our local advertising partners remain open for business, and you can hear from them daily right here on Score North, scorenorth.com, and the free Score North mobile app. We are all in this together. Hear how you can support our local community by visiting scorenorth.com, keyword open. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Three receivers to his left as Cunningham is back. He's being trapped. He ducks under three men. He's looking. He's rolling. He's heaving a deep downfield for Barnett, who leaps and has it at the 40, at the 35, 30, 25, 20. Barnett's going to score! All right, we are back here on Purple Daily, and a very happy birthday to one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, Randall Cunningham. And for his birthday, I wrote at scorenorth.com, Randall Cunningham belongs in the Hall of Fame. Give me your instant reaction, Judd, to that statement, and then I will explain why I think Randall Cunningham belongs in the Hall of Fame. But so I, 
I watched him play throughout the majority of his career, including in person in 1998. And I know for a fact that Randall Cunningham, as a quarterback, helped change the game in a positive way. So my instant reaction is, yes, you are correct, because I think you can make an argument that people who change a sport deserve credit for doing that. And I also think, too, that one of the biggest criticisms of Cunningham is that he didn't do it for long enough, that he had the three amazing seasons with the Eagles and then the all-time great passing season in 1998, where it's one of the best offenses in the history of the game. So four seasons that were a cut above the rest that were all pro and where you're legitimately saying he's a top five quarterback, if not the best quarterback in the league is not enough compared to some of the guys like John Elway or Warren Moon or Dan Marino, who played for years and years or Brett Favre. Right. Mm -hmm. But I would sort of circle back to the hall of fame has been extremely inconsistent with this and people who were really, truly exceptional for their short periods of time have gotten into the hall of fame. Gale Sayers, and then recently Terrell Davis. So from that perspective, and it's not like all of Cunningham's other years were garbage. He had injuries that certainly slowed him down. He had a couple of other winning seasons. But when I stacked up the statistics, and thanks to the good folks at uh, Pro Football Reference that are amazing when it comes to this stuff. Uh, so I sorted out. I took 1987 to 1998. I feel like this covers an entire era of football where we saw the NFL go from kind of, I mean, popular, but in some ways kind of a bleep show. They had, you know, the, the, um, the strike and everything else in 87, and it's just not anywhere close. And then through this era, in part because of great quarterback play, it shoots up to America's game by the end of 1998 when Cunningham has his best passing season. And I looked at how he compared to the other great quarterbacks of the era because there are numerous ones of them. He had a higher winning percentage than most of the other quarterbacks in the era. Uh, he was seventh overall in that entire uh, 11-year span. He was just behind Brett Favre and Jim Kelly and just ahead of John Elway, Trey Aikman, Warren Moon, and Dan Marino. Mm-hmm. So better winning percentage than those guys during that section of his career, which was, it basically spanned his whole career. I just cut out, you know, like the, when he used to run on third down or whatever. They, Buddy Ryan was a psychopath. So he used to put in Cunningham on third down and Jaws in the first two wait, downs. Wait, hold, wait, wait. I got to stop you right there. Are you telling me a great defensive coach <laughs> when put in charge as head coach might not be as good? Sometimes, sometimes that I'm does not happen. going. I will not have this happen. conversation. That does happen from time to time. So, all right, let me give you some more of the passing stats too. Yeah. That even in quarterback rating, so throw out the fact that he retires as the number one running quarterback in the history of the league. He was ninth in quarterback rating in that era. He was ahead of Aikman, ahead of Elway, ahead of Bernie Kosar, and neck and neck with Warren Maroon, uh, Warren Moon, Dan Marino, and Jim Kelly. And even in terms of if you took away his sacks, because he got a lot of sacks running around, uh, even if you factor those in, I mean, mm-hmm. he's still close in terms of adjusted yards per attempt with Warren Moon and ahead of Troy Aikman and just behind Jim Kelly and uh, John Elway. And I think this would totally stun people to find that out because you think of him as being a guy who could launch it a million yards down the field and then run like crazy. But his passing efficiency was not that different from all these other guys that we've put in the hall. And I even tried to use an an advanced metric here, which is fantasy scoring, because we didn't have PFF grades in the late 80s and early 90s. But he compiled the fifth most fantasy points of that era. So we're just 
I remember we're, it from that. Yeah, we're talking Complete stud. total yards. Yep. We're talking touchdowns and everything else, which tells you at least some of the story. And in all of his best years, they had top offenses. And every player who plays against him says that he was the least favorite guy to play against because he was that good. I think all of that combined sounds to me like a Hall of Fame player, someone who is right in the ballpark of all those other guys. And if he wins a Super Bowl in 1998, oh, the game changer. He's in. Right. Well, it wasn't his and, fault he didn't go to the Super Bowl. It was Gary Anderson's. Yes and no. The second half of that game, and I was there, he melted down. He literally melted down. And and th- this should not keep him out of Canton. But the most interesting story I was told was in 99, the game he got benched by Denny in Detroit. He actually went to Denny at halftime and said, bench me, I can't play anymore, or I can't play. But those things, while certainly a demerit on a guy's career, should not keep him out based on the fact that I do think that he helped, um, and your statistics back this up, change the game. Yes, no like he's question a, about it. He, he's a guy that if you were in that room the day before the Super Bowl presenting his case, I think you could present a really, really compelling case that goes well beyond, well, he was just good for a while. Right, so when you add up so the fact that you. he was a passer on the same level as a lot of these people, yeah. He was the number one rusher of the era by far. The next best is Steve Young, who, by the way, no one ever talks about as a running quarterback, but was absolutely a running quarterback. Oh, my right. goodness, yes. We know why that might be. But uh, with uh, with Randall Cunningham, he like that value, you can't just throw that out and be like, well, you know, he ran a lot. Well, right, and it helped them win a ton of games. Right. And then you add in what long-term we see the impact of someone like Randall Cunningham and how the quarterback position is played now, I think that there's a line of demarcation that you can draw before Randall Cunningham and after Randall Cunningham Mm -hmm. because even the quarterbacks who come after, like Steve McNair, who ends up being a borderline Hall of Famer himself, you see the influence and you also see teams starting to be more willing to say, yeah, you can win with someone who uses their athleticism to their advantage, which I know is hilarious to us now, but we, we needed that step to right. always be able to have someone to point to and say, the Eagles won a ton of football games with this guy running all over the place, and Steve McNair was almost like a better version because he was a sharper passer, and he probably had a little more grit than Cunningham had to him. And that that's part of it, too. That Cunningham's personality early in his career, I think, annoyed some people. And he wasn't the guy toward the end of his career where you said, like, oh, he's Elway. He's, he's got all the comebacks and he's spitting nails and things like that. He didn't have that narrative to him, right. which I think also impacts his Hall of Fame case. But his historical impact, how great he was at his peak, and the cumulative numbers that he even stacked up and winning all together, which he did a ton of winning, mm-hmm. um, I think that says that's a Hall of Fame player. I don't see how if if you, as I said before, the day before the Super Bowl presented that case, I don't see how the majority of people would say, yeah, but, yeah, but he's not, yeah, but, and and yeah, I mean, he did, he did help change the game, and yes, it took some time. the the whole The whole um, process, collar of getting to where we are right now with this sport didn't happen in five years. It took different players and different types of, of players, Moss. Moss is a guy 
who, when he burst upon the scene in 98, helped us get to where we are now. And without Moss, I don't think you have that first wave of guys saying, not only can these receivers be great, but they can be so dynamic that they should be the featured guys at times. Yeah. So, yeah, I think if you were to go in and say Cunningham, Philadelphia, 90s, 70 comes back with the Vikings, 98 is absolutely off the charts, phenomenal. Did he have shortcomings and things that you could pick at? Absolutely, and most guys do. But there is a good case that he should that his story should be told in Canton because it's probably a very important part of the story yeah. to how we got where we are today. And this game is better today because of that. I mean, how many guys in the entire history of the NFL can be credited with shaping the way a position is played? Moss. There are not many. Well, let, let's go through it quickly. Moss can at his position. I Jack, want to say Dion at corner. Dion at corner, and and I think a guy like Jerry Rice. Ha- has to also be kicked in with Moss, not as not Moss, but what he did was special. Playing out of the slot also, Dion, I Dion, think that became more valuable after Jerry Rice. Dion for sure. Linebackers and how, how that has changed. Take your pick there. But there's probably what if if we sat here and had time to go through the entire list of guys Polamalu, in this league probably, who changed twenty the box safety. twenty. You think? Yeah, I mean, 15 to 20. And Randall Cunningham is toward the top of that list. for Because so, you think about the major influence, it's not just at a position, it's at the position that shapes well, the and entire he, league. And he also um, broke through the the racist views at that position that existed for how long? How, how many black QBs probably were cost that opportunity yep. by small-minded football people slash coaches yes. in the 60s and 70s? Into the 80s, which yeah. is incredibly sad to say, who simply dismissed it. Yeah, and, and Cunningham started the trend of, oh, hold on a second here. Yeah. This can right. work. You could always point to him as the reason why you could play quarterback as a young black athlete, which, I mean, think about that impact. That, that's, that is a profound impact on the biggest position uh, in all of sports. And whether Lamar Jackson at his young age understands yeah. what came before him exactly or not, I don't know. Hmm? But it matters to getting to the point where we have Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and guys like that. To me, that bumps up his case to you should absolutely be celebrated in the Hall of Fame. I agree. I think at the very end of his career, he just was probably looked at as really, really great for a couple of years, and then he had some down years, and then he had the retirement thing, and then the one pop-up season at the end. But the historical perspective on it, gives you much more of a strong case for him there. Absolutely. The 98 season here, Judd, is one of the most fascinating performances by any quarterback of all time. Because what I love about it for Cunningham and his case for the Hall of Fame, and I didn't really get into this in my article, but just thinking about it now, mm-hmm. is that it was always Cunningham, yeah, he could throw the ball, he's got a rocket arm, but yeah, he's, he's an athlete. It's 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 the making plays, it's the natural gifts. That's all it is for Randall Cunningham. And for 98, Moss, of course, deserves a great deal of credit for completely breaking the game and having Cunningham just throw it up to him on a lot of those touchdowns. But for him to come back and show everyone that as a pocket passer, he could lead the NFL in quarterback rating after sitting out in 96 and being a backup in 97 mm-hmm. is 
is truly one of the wildest things that has ever happened. I mean, in the last 30 years, it's one of the craziest things in football to happen. Someone to come out of retirement who was a, known as a running quarterback and had sort of just you know injured himself and so forth out of the league to be a backup and then have that season... I mean, I, I think that it boosts his case because of just how improbable that is. Yeah, and don't forget, too, if you go back and look, I think the 98-season opener was at the Metrodome against the Buccaneers. Brad Johnson starts that game. Brad Johnson gets hurt. Cunningham comes in. And then, if memory serves, Matthew, I want to say about halfway through that season, Brad Johnson comes back, plays again, gets hurt, and Cunningham just keeps coming back in and is Phenomenal, and I think if you asked the majority of people that don't go back and look at the box scores or the stats, who was the Vikings quarterback on opening day in '98, they would say Cunningham. Yeah, he, he right. was so great. So, and and this is also this is a sneaky one, but this is also a credit to Dennis Green and his ability to identify talent, and the fact that he's the guy that helped get Cunningham after a year off out of retirement again mm-hmm. and back That's here. Right. And Denny, Denny was an outstanding, very good offensive mind, but Denny also could evaluate talent well. And I think he looked at Cunningham and said, rightfully so, that guy's not done yet. Yeah. And my guess is the majority of the league's like, whoa, Randall Cunningham is toast, right? He's absolutely done. And to Green's credit, he went at Cunningham and said, you know, come back and play. You're about, not done yet. How about this for the 98 season? I ran this on Football Reference, and again, thank you, Pro Football Reference. You're wonderful. Single seasons, 1980 to 2000. So when the league really jumps forward passing. And quarterback rating for a single season, 98 Randall Cunningham from 80 to 2000 is the fifth best passer rating season ever at that point. Wow. The only quarterbacks who had had better passer rating seasons was Steve Young in 94, Kurt Warner in 99, Dan Marino in 84, and in 92, Steve Young. So at the time that he did it, it was the fourth best passer rating for a single season in NFL history by Randall Cunningham. And and that's one of those things when you talk about players making the Hall of Fame and why I was so for it with Terrell Davis is in the short time where he was one of the greatest, he did something that nobody can mm-hmm. do in, in setting the rushing record. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's just... On a totally different level from anybody else. And even though you didn't play for 20 years, you did something that was truly special in the. Gr- so when you were at your greatest, you, you were fa- yes. you absolutely well, dominated. That, and, and that's a problem to me with all halls. This this notion of some people who vote, who, are, who say, well, you were really good for five years. Like you were the best for five years. But it was only five years and you couldn't do it for 20 like so and so did. And I. I've always found that to be incredibly unfair mm-hmm. because, all right, if you were just a good player for five years, I get it. You're a good player. That That is not Hall of Fame worthy. But if you did something for five years better than anybody else or four years and you're just dismissed, why? Yeah. Yeah. Because because it's not a this guy played for season. 20 years. Yeah. And, and that's great, too. And that guy deserves to be be uh, recognized and honored as well. But if you do something for at least five years that makes you among the best at, at what you did, to not at least be seriously considered for your Hall of Fame to me is a really big slight. Yep. I Yeah, I agree. And, and if it was just the 98 season that he was great, then, yeah, then okay, I would understand it. But his three seasons where he's an all-pro uh, in the late 80s and going into early 90s, I, I think also are 
totally on a different level from almost any other quarterback because of what he was able to do in the run game. So happy birthday to Randall Cunningham, and I hope someday he gets his his due. The longer we are away from his career, and now the the better we can see what the full impact of Randall Cunningham being a quarterback in the NFL and having a great deal of success, I, I think the better he looks in terms of being a Hall of Fame quarterback. Um, you want to grade my draft, Sim? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Uh, here is the draft. Myron Metcalf and I did it together. We were inside the draft room. You fought, so huh? So we were debating. Well, we Cats debated. We debated. Okay. And then we came to decisions the same way the Minnesota Vikings will have to. In the first round, we took our future <laughs> left Skype? tackle. Uh, well, sort of. Um, we were not in the same location, Myron and I. Okay. Uh, we took our offensive tackle for the future, Josh Jones. At 22? At 22. At okay. 25, I like that. we took Xavier McKinney with the feeling that he could play nickel if you need him, safety if you need him, and we're moving on from Anthony Harris. All right. Yep. And we're using that money to fill out the corners, and you'll find out why as we go ahead here. Okay. We get in the second round, and we take Michael Pittman Jr. out of USC, wide receiver. High intelligence guy, six foot four, big receiver, um, could fit right in. Can run around, though. Can run around. Okay, yes. that's all. I, that's yes. really what yes. I care about right now. It's, it's really about. I care about route running. His his football acumen, I guess, is one of the reasons to draft Michael Pittman Jr. because he isn't an unbelievable athlete, but he is a good athlete. Okay. We get into the third, and here's where it's being debated on Twitter uh, for our draft grade. Is uh, we took Jalen Hurts, and some people have given us an A because we took Jalen Hurts, yep. and some people have said, "I can't believe you didn't draft a corner in the third. But my argument against drafting a corner in the third yep. is if you didn't take him in the first and you didn't take him in the second, your odds for a corner to be great right away as a third round are almost zero. Like That's not happening. <laughs> I can tell you I've seen that firsthand. You yeah. are correct. Right. So you have yes. two corners Th- yep. right now on the roster in Hughes and Hill who have developed for two years. Year three has been a big step forward year. I, I think it's a desperate situation because you don't have a nickel corner and you need to sign someone, but... It isn't to where, unless you're drafting C.J. Henderson or Trayvon Diggs, then you're probably not pumping those guys right in to play across from Mike Hughes or Third Rounds and Hill. Third, third round, a third-round corner, and we have seen this uh, previously with uh, regimes from the Vikings, can very much be a forced pick. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, because the corners, they're going to go. Like they're, Everyone knows yeah. how valuable oh, yeah. they yeah. are. So by the time, so we decided to take the dynamic secondary weapon in Xavier McKinney and not a corner at that point because Diggs had been taken and then Henderson had been taken. Mm-hmm. So if you're not getting those but two. But you've got a quarterback now in the third round who you could develop. Correct. Right. Yes. I and no and could be that. a good backup. I, I think Hertz can be a, a decent backup, even worst case scenario. And then uh, Natani Muti, who is a big, giant, mauling guard uh, at uh, from Fresno State. He's, like he's also in the third round, and he might be able to start. It's a big step from Fresno State to the NFL, but considering who they have at guard right now, which is nobody, mm-hmm. uh, that seems plausible to me. So I'll give you how Twitter has felt about this. 44% giving us a B, 28% giving us an A, 19% a C, and 8% a D. So most people giving an A or B, and the B critics have mostly pointed toward the cornerback. So are you grading that draft? So with the 25th pick, who did you take again? Uh, we took Xavier McKinney, the safety from Alabama. And you're going to move on from Anthony Harris, which I actually don't mind doing because I think right now you've invested too much in the safety position if you keep both those guys. Yes. I would give you guys a B. I like the quarterback pick. 
I have now. Do I think the Vikings would do that? Absolutely, one hundred percent. No. Do I like the idea? Yes, I do. And I don't. I can't emphasize how strongly I am against taking a cornerback uh, later in the draft for the sake as if it's going to work for sure. Yeah. Yep. That I doesn't. Agree. That doesn't mean if that, you didn't do it with the first right. or second or third pick, then don't do it at all. Basically, what, uh, except your, for taking shots later. What's your feeling on uh, Chris Boyd? I like Chris Boyd. I think he's an intelligent guy, having spoken to him a few times. And usually if they bring a guy up out of complete nowhere in the middle of the season, being yep. impressed by him, yep. now they'll do that in training camp, and you'll be like, whatever, okay. I'm sure I'm sure you love that guy. Uh, but, you know, a guy has one good practice, he'll get brought up, and then everyone writes about it. But in the middle of the season, if you hear the special teams coach saying, this guy's really stepping up, if you hear the head coach say, I like what I saw from him, that's a different story because that means the guy's putting it on real NFL tape. Right. As far as stepping in next year, that would be hard for him. He did not get a ton of experience last year. But I do like his development path, and I also like Holton Hill for where he stands right now. It's going to be harder for him to get suspended for weed uh, now with the new rules. Yeah, which which is, which is important. And Hughes is plugged in. So yeah. Hill as an outside corner mm-hmm. really showed two years ago, that he could play that position as an outside corner. Mm-hmm. He's not a nickel guy. He's too big to be a nickel guy. Hughes can play either. So if Boyd does develop, you get one more guy who's a veteran or two more guys who are veterans at a cheap price, and that's probably your secondary. The reason I like McKinney is because you can move him up into the box. You can have him and Harrison Smith switching around all over the place. And if you're not certain of your cornerback play, mm-hmm. then having a safety, which is the position that can step in right away, if you have the, the safeties are great. We saw it last year. The Vikings still end up as a top 10 pass defense, despite having two terrible performances from their corners. Right. So you would expect to do that again. So that's my thinking. A lot of people are giving, you B. us, giving us B's and A. What would I have to do to get an A from you? I don't know. It's your fault that I can't find a way to, to give you an A based on the actual needs of this team, which are substantial. Because um, I like the Hurts pick. I... You know what? I don't think I could find a way because the Vikings have so many areas that they need to fill to get you to an A. I don't know that because if you switched out Hertz for a corner, I, I would probably drop your grade to a C plus. Um, so I don't think it's your fault. I think you've done as well as you can do as a student. There's just no way short of something. Well, if you could sim a trade up, to get a top-level, top-10 left tackle, I could probably get an A out of that, but I don't know if your sim allows you to actually make a deal to get up in the draft. I can do that, but also I think you should That'd be... probably be the only way. I think if you get if you trade up in a draft, you should probably get a lower grade because it's risky. Uh, just statistically speaking, your odds of getting a great player at 22 aren't that different from 12. And yeah, I mean, you'd rather have uh, Andrew Thomas than... Josh Jones, but their odds of being a great player are probably only percentage points can I, difference. Can you get between six and ten? That's because yeah, you're not, that you're not gonna you're not gonna get one to five. But to get that's out. between six and ten in a what appears to be a really good draft like this, you're probably having to trade a lot. And and even then it sort of hurts your odds. You're not throwing in a third and moving from twenty two up into the top ten. Right. You're probably having to give up a next year's first or both of your first to do that, and yep. I'm not a big fan of that. Well, I don't have a contract for next needs. year. Who knows? I might do that. <laughs> well, that's true. And it's no problem for me. We certainly know the trades are on the table. I actually think if the Vikings traded back mm-hmm. and ended up with something like four picks from 
in the second round even. That's how I would do it. If I were Rick Spielman, that's what I'd be looking for. Trade back out of the first twice with both of those picks, have four picks in the second round, because I think that the talent in this draft in the second round, especially when I do the draft sims, which have been accurate in the past, by the way, for who's on the board, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of talent there. There's a lot of talent if you get to the early second round, and if you ended up with a bunch of players there, that gives you a chance to fill in great spots. Think about all the good players this team has landed in the second round in recent history. Alexander, Kendricks, once upon a time, Kyle Rudolph. Like You've got a lot of second-round type sure. of hits, so... Lots of options for the Vikings. It will not be our last draft. B. I'll give you a B. How about right. that? I appreciate that. That's pretty good grade. Nothing right. wrong with a B. Let's take a break. Let's come back and talk about, all right, we got a weekend here. Vikings, you're at home. You're quarantined. Who are you calling to try and make some moves here, whether it's the free agents left on the market or it's other teams to trade? What? Should we be looking for for the weekend? You listen to Purple Daily here on Score North. Listen and win with the free Score North mobile app. Prizes up for grabs this month include three equalizer wedges, wedges and a precision milled forged putter courtesy of Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company and MLB The Show 20 on PS4 available at theshow.com, which now includes full minor league rosters. Just download the Score North app, register your app, and you could be a winner. Jonathan here with the Score North download. During the coronavirus outbreak, the need the need remains high for our local Ronald McDonald House Charities Upper Midwest as they work tirelessly to provide food, shelter, and a wide array of support services to families with seriously ill or injured children at their Twin Cities locations. Thanks to Louisa Rise and the Minnesota Twins, one lucky person who makes a donation of any amount will receive a signed Louisa Rise Minnesota Twins jersey. Your contribution allows the Ronald McDonald House to continue to provide critical services to families dealing with the child's health crisis. Those services include overnight accommodations, complimentary meals, fully stocked pantries, laundry, and more. To, no- to donate, please visit scorenorth.com, keyword donate. That's been your Scorenorth download. Now back to the final segment of the week of Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. Matthew Collar and Judd Zelgad here. Uh, with the news that the NFL will have its draft on time, we did a draft sim, and I tweeted out the results. At Matthew Collar, you can check those out and grade harshly if you like. Um, Judd, they're going forward with it. They're going to do the draft, and it seems like it's going to be the normal schedule. So all of our fun ideas... Mine was to break up the first round into a couple of nights. Schefter wanted to do seven nights around each night, which, you know... I, that was a little much to me. A little much, yeah. I don't need round seven standing alone. Do you? No, definitely not. That's when they draft Aussie rules long snappers. Um, but uh, the first round breaking it up, I thought would be fun because you could have just so much more drama and then an entire day to break down what happened in the top 10 picks. And I think that even just the top 10, 11 through 20 you know, uh, whatever, 21 through 32, like those offer their own amounts of extreme drama that we could have a field day with for an entire day. And then if you're the GM who's picking 11th and mm-hmm. they've done the top 10, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, well, you're getting offers for trades the whole day and, and, and having uh, to sit on that pick for the whole day. I thought that would have increased the drama and made it more interesting, but it sounds like they're just going to go straight forward with it. They're going to get players on... Uh, you know, FaceTime or something yeah, to fine. do. Maybe they can dap up themselves instead of uh, Roger Goodell what, or their whatever families. they want to do. But I, I'm I'm all in support of the NFL going forward here. And my reasoning is simple: is that a lot of people are at home yep. who love football. 
and they want entertainment and the NFL can give it to them. And, uh, you know, I guess you could look at it and say, well, they're just going forward business as usual as the world is falling apart. Right. But we're all stuck in our houses. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So, so for the most people in America who are adhering to the rules as they should be doing and only going out to the grocery store or to Arby's drive through or whatever it might be. That's um, you going to Arby's, that, by the way. Yeah. Nothing wrong with the roast and, beef sandwich curly fries. And, and shout out to all the people who are still working in, in those places. Yeah. Uh, they deserve more money. But anyway. Yes, sir. Different story. I, I just think that a lot of people who love sports are stuck in their houses, and it would be great to have this level of drama and entertainment, no matter what way it's done. It offers a ton to talk about and think about and tweet about and whatever to keep busy while we're in a really, really difficult spot in our nation. It's normal, right? It's the one, it's one thing. Yes. Right now, nothing for the most part, in, if you're a sports fan or anything, is the norm. And so... When it comes to two things, free agency and the draft for the National Football League, Roger Goodell, who's a guy who has screwed up before, badly I think at times, has done some embarrassing things, is doing the exact right thing here. And I think the majority of pushback on the draft is coming from GMs who can't get that one final look at players, Matthew. They can't get that. They can't get yeah. their doctors and psychiatrists and ventriloquists out to see the players <laughs> that one final time so Bert and Ernie can talk to them or something. I don't know. I I love this because it finally, you you scout players if you are an NFL team for an entire season in college, right? Or no, more than that. Let's say three years. Yeah. You got filmed for three years. You got the Senior Bowl right now. You've got the event that you attended in Indianapolis a few weeks ago when life was still basically normal, the Combine. You have all you need. I would actually make a case that this draft is going to be, for some teams, the best drafts that they've possibly had because they can't get that one final look and overthink things and come back and say, yeah. we've decided we like Jerry more than Ted because <laughs> we found out that that he likes um, Rocky Road ice cream and we don't like that and we like vanilla and that's what Ted li-. Look, I think that on every level, the idea to go about, if you're a league, Having an event that doesn't involve people traveling or does not involve people in stands or games, everything that you can do that is procedural, which is the draft is, yeah. is a great idea. Yes. And so if we want to say, well, yeah, but uh, I mean, but it's not the right time, then my question becomes this. With a situation where we don't know wh- when or if this is going to end, right? Like yep. we have no date here. What is the right time? So you're supposed to yeah. draft in August? Yeah, I don't know. You know? So yeah. when is it appropriate if exactly. this continues? Because right now... Bravo, Roger Goodell. Yeah, right now it seems like we're only at the beginning of this thing, and yes. it's going to get worse, and that's why we're all staying in our houses, because mm-hmm. the, it's going to get worse over the next few weeks, and we want people in their houses and focusing on this. But if it does indeed take a big spike up over these next few weeks, how much longer is it going to go until this thing clears out and 
none of us know the answer to that. It could be in May. It could be in August. And we could end up with a delayed NFL season. And teams are already making their plans for what they're going to do. And the Vikings uh, released an announcement for season ticket holders and things like that. So they're already looking forward and saying, what if we don't start the NFL season on time? Right. Which is very possible. And, uh, you know, I, I think that you just have to go business as usual for now and then see how everything plays out. We're certainly not getting OTAs. We're certainly not getting rookie mini camp and or we shouldn't. like that. Um, but that's exactly right. If your hope is best case scenario training camp, you can draft the players now and begin teaching them your offenses and everything else through Skype, through Zoom meetings, or however these things work, mm-hmm. and go forward. If you kick it back to when this virus starts to fade and, and go away, right? You're, are you going to draft in August and then what? Throw guys into training camp right away and everything else? I I don't know. I don't know that there is a good time to be able to do it, so I'm looking forward to it, and I think most people are too. I think it would be 95 to 5% uh, football fans who think, yeah, let's just go forward it's with teams, it and, right? and argue with it. Yeah, well, of course, it's teams saying because they want their, their silly visits. Have you ever seen, here, among the silly things about the draft, explain this. Why, when they show draft rooms, do we often see, let's say, 20 to 25 people in those rooms? Do you really need 25 people? Like, does the assistant mail guy, I scored a pass in the Jaguars draft room, Ron, I'm going to be in the draft room. Do you need to be there? I did hear a story once that a team wanted to draft a particular guy, and their area scout was in the draft room. And he was basically screaming, do not draft that guy. Do not do that. Do not draft him. And they they said, okay, well, what about next round? No, do not draft him next round. And so eventually they got all the way to the end and they picked the guy. And then he became a huge bust for every reason that the scout had How did said. they not so know guess... this before draft night, though? Why was this guy screaming this on draft night in the draft room? Um, Can't we hash that out? My sense was that there was a big gap between what the numbers said on this player and what the scouting report said. So they wanted to sort of lean toward the numbers and the, you know, the this he ran this at the 40. But and don't those rooms amaze you? Like when they oh, show yeah, those sure, rooms and there's some guy eat, with a burger and another guy with a slice of pizza, <laughs> aren't you like, do you guys really need to be there? They show Probably these not, rooms yes. and they're all like, there basically need to the be whole, three people. I mean, the whole reality of the thing is that you at home can draft as successfully as the Minnesota Vikings. Now, you couldn't scout the players. Well, we would have to tell you who the players were. But if I said, guess what? You're on the clock and here are the five players on the Vikings board. You pick one. And you did it yourself based on what you thought, or you did it random, or you did it if a player has the same name as your kid's name. The odds of it coming out are exactly the same. They And this has been proven statistically that no team, literally zero teams, mm-hmm. zero franchises over a long period of time are good at drafting. How about those New England Patriots and all the great drafts they've had recently to fill out that roster? Yeah. No, Brady probably left in part because they haven't drafted particularly well with the GOAT coach slash GM. I and mean, even the you know the Vikings, they have a good draft, they have a bad draft. It's all over the place. It's a lot of randomness. And that last guy that you have on the top thirty visit, which by the way, Spielman has even admitted to using some of those just to throw other teams off the scent. No, I know. So like this, this month, it's unnecessary. This month is the goofiest time. Yeah. That that if it has to be thrown out, I say good. I'm yes. glad it's gone. Yes. I'm glad you can't go test 
uh, that left guard one more time to convince yourself that he might not be the guy. I'm happy about it. They're going to draft. Bravo, National Football League. It's the right move. Free agency, the same thing. In these cases, as sports fans, we need something. All right, so um, I have to read you a really funny quote that I stumbled upon, and then we need to talk about something that was sent to me by someone in the league today. Um, Jimmy Graham said, quote, about his critics for him joining the Bears at an expensive price. I got the dump button. I hate this stupid. I'm still fast. I'm not kidding. Jimmy Graham said, I'm still fast. (laughs) Jimmy Graham's just a complete jerk, too. He is, I'm still fast. Yeah, good, he good said. for you, Jimmy. Good for you. He said, "I I still have the ability to make big plays no, in a conference don't. call with the Chicago media." You just joined Mitchell Trubisky <laughs> and, and Nick Foles. You eventually, have to tell people you're fast. I'm still fast. No, you're not. And he's not. No, no, he's you're not. not. What no. are the Bears doing? How do you have him in your division? That would be like me saying, "I still weigh 160 pounds, just like high school." Nope. No, you definitely don't. You'd be more believable. Yeah, no, that's true. That's but what true. are the Bears doing? I, I have been eating better since I've been quarantined. Not me. I'm really out of control. It's yeah. bad. But what are what, seriously? They've seen this guy play twice a year for the last what? He's been with the Packers for three years. Yeah, and he's been just awful. And he's just terrible. Yeah, and he's a jerk. He's not a good guy. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Chicago that's is trying. So fast. The, the funny thing about this, so we're always talking about how. If you're not first, you're last. The Ricky Bobby thing is a great way of thinking about being a general manager. Because if you can't get to 13-3, and if you can't build that team, Mm -hmm. then you should be thinking toward the future. That doesn't mean tank. It just means making all moves toward becoming a 13-3 and football squad. Mm -hmm. And what the Chicago Bears have done this offseason is do everything they can to be a 9-7 and football team. Yeah. (laughs) Which is like the worst philosophy you could possibly have is to do everything under your power to get Nick Foles and Jimmy Graham and try to be 9-7. and seven. And yet, I, I still can't say for sure that Chicago is going to be super bad or fire their general manager or fire their coach. Like Trying to figure out what they're going to be next year is a little bit hard because if Nick Foles is even halfway decent, he won regular season games with the Eagles. It wasn't just that he won those playoff games. He, a couple different times, won regular season games. So if he's even average, Trubisky's Bears were 8-8 eight eight last year. Like They could still have this division, great defensive performance. This, it's a very weird division. This division is beyond confusing to yes. me. Because Green Bay is not that good. I think they're okay. They're good, but they're not that good. The Vikings, I don't know exactly what they're doing at all. The Bears confuse me, and the Lions are the Lions. And Matt Patricia is going to be a terrible head coach until he's fired. Um. Real quick, so let's just do like a hot route based on what Jimmy Graham said. I just want you to lie about something. Like just say, I'm still whatever, and and then lie. Like about your own physical skills. I'm still dressing really well. I'm going to say, I can I can still dunk. <laughs> Jonathan, you want to go? I'm still 185 pounds. <laughs> uh Anyway, so is Jimmy Graham trying to convince us or himself of this? I'm sure it's just he's bit tired of, of hearing about how slow he is. Uh, <laughs> all right, so just before we wrap up here, the weekend, um, what are we going to see? What are we interested in? Someone in the league, which is the best I can do here, sent me a message out of nowhere today and said, basically, 
what is going on with the Vikings that people around um, the organization are looking at where they're at right now and going, what's happening? Your team wants to bring back Xavier Rhodes. They sign an expensive nose tackle but can't convince any corners to come here. Um, Nikel Roby Coleman signs for a million bucks with the Eagles. You get a scrap heap receiver who four years ago had a good rookie season, Mm -hmm. um, and yet it still feels like they want to win in 2020 and are calling on every possible free agent. And so um, I guess I thought what we might expect from the weekend here who knows at this point? I still have no idea what to expect when it comes to the rest of this Vikings offseason. The Trent Williams rumors are ramping up, and I've thought, well, why not? You might as well, since you signed Cousins to a contract extension. And yet, at the same time, I think you really should be thinking toward 2021 and 2022, you know, looking toward the future and, and finding every way that you can be good then. But that doesn't really fit with the timeline of Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman. Do you know how when you're young, you look at adults and think, it doesn't make sense what they're doing, but they must know. <laughs> like, like you get this weird, you're like, they must know. And then one day, and it, it might take years and years, it occurs to you that your gut's right. Like the feeling in your gut of, they, I, they didn't I, know. I think they know in my gut, or conversely, what you just said, which is how I feel about the Vikings right now, which is, they should know, but I don't think that, that they do know. Um, I really think the Vikings, and this does not necessarily start in the GM or coach's chair. This starts in the ownership's chair. I don't think they know what they're doing. I'm beginning to believe more and more, and I'm willing to give this through the draft to uh, make the proclamation. But my gut tells me that there is definite uh, dissension, that there is a definite difference of opinions, and that ultimately it is trending towards they don't know. And some of what they're doing does make sense to me. But the things that don't make sense don't make sense to a point where it outweighs what does make sense. The Cousins extension, for instance. I know why they did it, and I say that was a bad move. So at 50 years old, I'm going to go with the I don't trust them, and I think ultimately my gut's right. And they don't really have a plan because they have too many people with their own plans. Yeah. That's how I feel yeah. about this. I think that's a good way. So to, to answer it, your yeah. question, I don't know what thing happens in the coming days because I don't know that you have. Because if you don't have enough people on the same page, the intentions of some can be really well and good, but they're not going to get done because the other side's going to be like, I, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Try to bring back roads. Right. But that makes no sense. No, but you should try and do that. And. and- the other moves you can justify, Pierce, they need him. They need a nose tackle. I can I justify think they a lot of these things. I agree. But the Rhodes thing you can't justify. And that's where it made me think, wow, if there was ever any other uh, you know, better evidence that something is off in that building, not just the fact that people are running away from it. Diggs forcing his way out, essentially. Mm-hmm. Everson Griffin not re-signing is kind of a big deal. I mean, we just went, oh, yeah, well, you know, that's the end of that. But... Everson Griffin could have taken a team-friendly deal to come back. This is the place and the coach that he's been with for a very, very long time. He's one of the best players in franchise history. And even he decided, 
yeah, we're just going to have to go a different direction, not come back to Minnesota. That is a very odd look for a team that just a couple of years ago had people running back to Minnesota. And even Anthony Barr saying that he couldn't imagine being here without all the brothers that he had gone through 2017 with. Well, guess what? Your family moved. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they, they didn't leave your forwarding yeah. address, Anthony. They, they left you, uh, your uh, brother Eric and your brother Daniil and your brother Harry, and that's it. Nobody else is there anymore. Mm-hmm. So um, it's, a, it, it's a very odd situation, and it sort of all points to is everybody pulling in the same direction, and I just can't see that. And I wrote the piece at the Combine about even the analytics part of it and Zimmer going to the podium and making fun of Rick yeah. Spielman for the analytics Which thing. is incredibly important. And then when I dug into that, there's more to that than just a little crack at the podium. Like, that is a legitimate battle inside of the organization. So, you know, what they do over these next couple weeks, can you guys get on the same page and form a direction this late in the game with free agency? But Mike's ideas, too, and and there was definitely a time where Mike's ideas were probably spot on and good, but Mike's idea, too, of how to run a team from a schematic personnel standpoint, I think it can be proven pretty simply has passed. It's just over. Like when you look at where this league is going now and and the direction in which it's it has shifted offensively and maybe even at some point defensively, you know Mike has his ways and this actually reminds me Matthew to a certain degree of what the Twins transitioned through when when uh Gardy and Terry Ryan were in charge yeah, and yeah. they were really good at one time. You yes. know the the Twins way was not a joke. The right. Twins way was yeah. this established really good fundamental way to run a baseball team. It, it was respected and it was great. And eventually, guess what? Things started to change and the Twins didn't adapt and didn't change. And that's where the Wilsh have to be very careful here. Because just saying it's been good can eventually bite you right in the butt. And we see in the NFL all the time how quickly you go from the premier organization in the league to not. And mm-hmm. uh, the Atlanta Falcons are a good example there. Like all of a sudden, I mean, they're in the Super Bowl and everyone's talking about Arthur Blank and the great organization and everything else. And then two years later, they've missed the playoffs, or three years later, they've missed the playoffs two years in a row and are trying to scratch and claw to remain relevant with the final years of their very good quarterback. So give me, in our final minutes here, before uh, we turn over to Mackie and Judd with Rami, give me your prediction for a move this weekend. If I told you, hey Judd, I call you up, Judd, they just made a move. It is? <laughs> um, what do you think it is? It's going to result in me saying who and running to Google. <laughs> That's my prediction for a move. I can't, I just don't see a substantial move. Now, it might come around the draft and they might trade draft picks. I could completely see that. All right. My prediction is this because I do think that this is going to happen before the, the draft at some point. Anthony Harris gets traded for draft picks. Okay. I'll give you that yeah. one. Yep. I could see that one. I think they were hoping to get a second. I don't think they will. I think they'll probably get a third or let's say a fourth and fifth. But if you called me and said a move has been made, it, because I just don't see them paying two safeties as much as they, they would have to. And I think the only reason they didn't let Harris walk, Matthew, was because they didn't want the 2021 compensatory third-round pick. I think they were hoping to get a second-round pick in 2020. You think that they're waiting on somebody to be cut or to be traded or something? I mean, other than Trent Williams. From somewhere because, else, you mean? Well, I or saw where? that uh, Track, which is another salary cap website, put mm-hmm. out a list of guys that could still be traded in the NFL. And the guard from New England, they franchised Joe Thune, 
who is the top guard by far in free agency. He's still out there. Uh, A couple of receivers, Marquise Goodwin, Curtis Samuel, Sammy Watkins, could all be moved or potentially cut. Um, You just wonder if they're waiting on somebody to get released or if there's a trade out there that has sort of been in a holding pattern. Do you think that any notable receivers left on the market who might come here want to play with Kirk? Um, After Diggs bolted from here, and and it's not just Kirk. It's the also probably I, I should rephrase in the scheme. Saying Kirk is probably unfair. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily Kirk. I think it's the state of the organization right. from what it looks like from the outside. Like if you're Watkins, do you want to play here? When you have to trade Diggs, and he is one of the most respected players in the league across the board. People talk about Diggs as being a superstar. Is how other players look at him, and. When you have to trade that player because he's unhappy, I think other players probably look at that and go, uh, that doesn't seem like a situation I want to drop myself into. And the same with Everson leaving and them cutting other players and things like that. But also, you don't have the money to make anyone want to do it anyway right? because you have to top somebody else's. But there have been so many players who have signed team-friendly deals with other teams it, it's too many that the Vikings have had their hat in the ring on guys. Nikel Roby Coleman is definitely one of them for $1 million where you go, okay, it's clear that people are just going to other teams mm-hmm. at this point. So I don't know if it's so much about Kirk. It's probably not about As Kirk. it is about just the overall state. Right. And so. and the scheme, too. Well, yeah, if you're a wide receiver, yeah, you're not putting I'm up w- huge numbers. Watkins and yep. Cook's going to get the ball, why do I want to come here? Yep, exactly. All right, well, we'll see what happens this weekend. If something breaks, the podcast feed, Purple Daily, type it into where you get your podcast. Judd and I will absolutely be available for an emergency <laughs> podcast over the weekend. So weekend. stay safe, stay indoors, and podcast our shows. We will help you through this. All right, Mackie, Judd, Rami, coming up next. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts.